RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. We're on our computers and my, my battery life is not completely full, but that's okay. I think we're going to be great. We're glad everybody is here. Looking forward to our time together and our conversation. My name is Lindsay Slocum and I am one of the associate pastors and um, I have the honor today of interviewing Jeff Myers, our senior pastor on his sermon from yesterday. We are starting and we've just started yesterday. Jeff, you started a new sermon series called Summer of Love. And we're looking at love passages all in all throughout the Bible, correct? Yes. And lots of different ones. I think you said that some of them are Psalms and some of them are, are we doing first Corinthians 13? I mean, when people think love passages, they think that one. I can't remember. Let me look. Mm. I don't think so. Oh, well, no, I, well, no. but. I think that then that's good. This will expand our, our idea, right? Because we always go straight to 1 Corinthians 13. So I think this will be good for us to look at that these other passages and experience it. So I think that's great. Yeah, and there, I think each one, um, and I did it in tan, planned it with the Children's and Family Ministry staff. So we kind of tried one, a broad range, um, a lot of stories that will resonate with kids. Um, so, you know, I, I think, and, and some that maybe you don't necessarily think, associate with the theme of love so we kind of coming at it from a bunch of different directions and the first half will be more about god's love for us and then the second half of the sermon series will be more about how that love is supposed to be lived out um in community okay okay oh good and no song of solomon either so i got some people like why don't we talk about song of songs it's like no no you know we'll have none of that none of that you have to do that on your own yeah we yeah we need to mm, yeah mm -hmm, good that's probably that's good let's just (laughs) stick with whatever you've got outlined that'd be good uh a fantastic sermon yesterday by the way i thought that you did a really great job kicking off the sermon series so um thank you for that sermon thanks Lindsay. yeah yeah i i thought i didn't going in i didn't think it was going to be that great and actually turned out better than i thought um because, you know, I, I, I think I love Psalm 139 so much. And to do it justice, I just like, it was really hard for me um, because it's just such a beautiful, like, it's like you just could read it over and over and I would be mm-hmm. just as good at, like, how do you add to such a beautiful passage of scripture like that? So um, thanks for saying that. And I, I wanted to do it justice. So, yeah. Oh, it's definitely, it's such a gorgeous psalm um and so it was really nice i I think because it's this really gorgeous piece of scripture that so many 
um, have been affected by and, and had these really beautiful experiences. It was really nice yesterday to kind of sit in that Psalm for a little bit, because I don't know that I'd, I've ever heard a sermon on it. And so yesterday to have a sermon where we're just going to sit in this and kind of allow these words of God's love for us to wash over us. I thought that was a really, it, it was a lovely place to be and to experience. And it didn't feel like, it didn't feel to me like you were trying to add to the Psalm at all, but rather to like encourage those words to, to wash over us, which. Yeah. And that yeah, really is, the job. I mean, that's kind of the job of the preacher is not to, <laughs> it's not, we're, we're not trying to give my opinions about like, you know, uh, the news or whatever, but it's really trying to explicate and give, uh, help scripture uh, be animated um, in the spirit to speak. Yeah. So I hope we're always grateful when that happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I definitely though, we have to start with one of, I thought one of the highlights of the sermon was you misspelling your name. <laughs> <laughs> That was fantastic. I loved that, that you misspelled your name. And still to this day, you're like E-R or R-E. I'm not sure. <laughs> I like, think about it for a minute. It's amazing. My mom, would she be like, Jeff, it's Jeffrey, not Jeffery. So um, <laughs> she, she, and she was very like insistent. And I think, I, I forget, because I don't remember that happening, but I think, I think she saved the assignment that we, you know, it was on that, like the brown kind of paper that had lines mm -hmm. on it. But I think mm -hmm. she saved it and maybe it pulled it out at some point a number of years ago and told me the story and I was just cracking up. It's so good. What a knucklehead. <laughs> well, I think maybe it depends on what part of the country you're from as to whether it's Jeffrey or Jeffrey. Like, you yeah. know, I feel like maybe in the South, you're really trying to emphasize. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it made me think of so my name is very funky how it's spelled and they misspelled it on my birth certificate. What? Yes, yes. And so for years, like when we registered for school and stuff, my mom had to go back in. That's how you spell it. And they're like, well, that's what it's on the birth certificate. And it is very difficult to get a name spelling corrected on a birth certificate. We had to go through all of this stuff. And yeah, very yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That is, that's unfortunate. Yeah. 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 So, you know, <laughs> but again, Mike, I don't think my kids know how to spell my name though. So, you know, you're in, yeah. my point is you're in good company. If you don't know how to spell your name, it's fine. <laughs> well, you know, and my last name gets, there's like about a, a, a dozen different ways you can legitimately spell Myers and it's been misspelled by, by more people than you know, I just, I quit Karen years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I tell people. It's okay. If you don't spell it right. Cause even the people who make my birth certificate didn't spell it right. So it's fine. <laughs> it doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So in your sermon, the whole, your whole thing yesterday, you opened with the question, what does it mean to know yourself? And, and you really kind of, um, encourage us to come at that from several different angles um, but that kind of always centering around that question, though, what does it mean to know ourselves and how do we come about knowing ourselves or whatever? I wanted today, I wanted to take that back even just a step. And even just to ask you, when we talk about knowing ourselves, let's talk about what does it even mean to know yourself? I think that we're in a culture right now where there's a lot of conversation about identity. 
Um, you know, I have two teen, well, three teenage boys at my house right now. And so there's a lot of conversation about self-awareness and kind of understanding this is what I'm bringing to the conversation and understanding that that impacts how I'm experiencing something. So I just was thinking there's so many different even aspects to this idea of knowing ourselves that let's just even take your sermon back one step. When you talk about knowing yourself, like, what do you even mean by that? Yeah, I mean, so I think, you know, what, what do you love? What do you, what do you think is beautiful? What um, are you attracted to? What are you repulsed by? Um, you know, like, for instance, like, I always thought of myself, because people told me I was an extrovert, right? And I just thought, like, I was supposed to be an extrovert. That's what I was. But then, as I come to know myself, I realize I've got introverted parts of me that I like being by myself at times. Like, I like going to a movie by, I like never would have gone to a movie by myself in my 20s. But, you know, when I, my late 30s, I was like, going to a movie by myself is great, you know? Um, or like, you know, I thought like, I thought being a man meant never crying or never showing um, sadness, never showing grief. And, um, and as I grew older, I realized that to really have the full experience of what it means to be a human being, being a man at times does mean crying. It does mean showing grief. Um, and to cut that part of yourself off is to do a disservice to who God has created you to be um, and to minimize how the full expression of, of, of what it means to be a human being. So I think, mm. um, and that, I think those maybe are some ways that I've kind of experienced uh, the continuing getting to know myself um, over, over the years. And I, and I think that does not stop. I mean, the Apostle Paul, and I didn't, this was in the back of my head. I didn't ever reference it explicitly, but the Apostle Paul says, you know, we, we see through a, a glass darkly or, or, or opaquely right now. We only have of who we, of who we really are. And only until we are in heaven, you know, in the eschaton, the, the fulfillment of all things, will we know ourselves as we are fully known? It's really interesting. He says that God already knows who we really are, but we actually don't even know who we are. Mm -hmm. and, only, and only later will we get to fully know who we are as God knows us right now. Mm. That's really good. So I, I think what I, one of the things I hear you saying is um, that in the midst of knowing ourselves, that there's an appreciation I guess, of ourselves and understand the different parts, like an appreciation of those parts of us and kind of acknowledging and appreciating that that's part of who we are. Um, but I do hear you saying too, and I, I just think this is really important, but kind of maybe it's that self-awareness piece, understanding like not only this is, I don't know, I guess part of this is how I was built, but all of these things go into how I was built. And that's why I'm going to respond this way. Or when I'm engaging in this conversation, this piece is going to be really important to me. And so I'm going to put a lot of weight on that, knowing that that might not be the same case for this person that I'm engaging in conversation with. And, um, and so becoming, knowing those parts of ourselves more and more, like you said, this appreciation of ourselves, and this is what I'm bringing to the table. I think that that's really important. Yeah. And, and how all the forces in our lives of our past have um, have helped shape who we are today. So, I mean, this is one of the, um, 
one of the things I think therapy is so helpful for is if I struggle with anger, where's that anger coming from? Why do I, why do I experience um, an emotion like anger so easily? How, how can I become a more patient person? And I think that um, understanding ourselves in that way can really help uh, us flourish more as human beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is so good because it's this piece of this conversation it reminds me of at some point you quoted a lot of people yesterday and I couldn't keep my notes straight but at some point you were talking you said to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom yeah so that's um that's Plato um oh right his, I mean he well he I mean he's writing about Socrates right and um at the uh I think the oracle of Delphi they're on you know, when you would go into the temple, there it said, know thyself, right, on inscribed, and we have records of that. Um, so in, in, in Greek, Greek take on wisdom is to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom, to, to start to un, uncover. And so you think about like when Plato says, the unexamined life is not worth living. Okay? Mm. It's this idea, and that's a gross, that's hyperbole, you know, I would say, mm-hmm. even if it's unexamined, it's still worth living. But, right. uh, but, right. But to start to think about your life and who you are um, is to wake up as a human being. Um, and, to, and I think it's to be uniquely human, mm. to have self-reflection about oneself and who we are. Yes. Yeah. So good. And I was thinking then, yes, the, all of those things and that, that kind of this concept of to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. I was thinking about how when you used that quote, how that linked us back right to this wisdom sermon series that we just did where we were looking at the wisdom literature and how so much of the conversation there was this idea of being wise that uh, when we go through the wisdom literature, what we're seeing over and over again is that to be wise is to figure out how to navigate faithfully in the situations. And uh, because we see there's sometimes they contradict each other or sometimes things require very different actions on our part. And so I just thought this is such a really lovely way to connect that back that we've got to understand this is the baggage that I'm bringing to this conversation or to this situation, or I, gosh, I know I really tend to react this way in these types of situations that in order for me to figure out how to be most faithful to how God wants me to move forward in this situation, to demonstrate that wisdom, it's so helpful if I do know myself and have this understanding that you're talking about. I agree. Yeah, I think, yeah, and I'm glad you caught that. Um, I, I guess I didn't make it explicit, but it definitely was in the back of my mind how we were drawing from what we talked about with wisdom literature and the wisdom tradition, and then talking about self knowledge and um, and love and, and and these other virtues. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, totally caught it. I thought that was so good, and I'm I'm hoping everybody else was picking up on that too because I I thought that was really good. Okay, so then we talked a lot about how um, that that God gives us kind of that basis, right, for understanding who we are, and and I thought you did such a really lovely job of giving us all these, and and again with that the idea of that scripture kind of washing over us and hearing these words from God that this is the found very foundation of who we are, and um, it was so so beautiful. Okay, and then you were moving into, and this is the part I want us to talk about because I'm trying to decide what to do with it because then you moved into this very 
absurd circular logic about Harry Styles, which was very entertaining. Um, but you were giving us that song that she doesn't know she's beautiful and that's what makes she beautiful. And you started playing with this concept of um, that which we get from others and how that, that which we get from others how that speaks into how we understand ourselves. And I think I want us just to rest, like not rest in that. I want us to maybe wrestle with it a little bit because it seems to me that that could end up being very tricky. The concept of others speaking into who we are versus kind of saying, oh, this is who I am in and of myself and not needing others to speak into that. Because again, back to, I have two teenage boys, but also I'm a human myself, I guess. And so there's this, you know, when people around me are saying this is what you should do or who you should be, there's sometimes when the wise thing is not to be or do those things. Does this make sense? I'm kind of all over the place, but the the circular logic with Harry Styles is what made this thought process go off in my head. Yeah, yeah, the One Direction song. So, I, I mean, I just thought that Stephen Colbert was so funny in his yeah. <laughs> unpacking of that song, and I think um, it just kind of cracked me up. But I guess one of the things I was just... Um, one of the things that I found interesting about the song is why it resonates so much with people um, mm -hmm. worldwide. And, and that people, I think people, cause in the song, it's somebody who doesn't know they're beautiful. A woman doesn't know she's beautiful until somebody tells her, right? But she's beautiful, right? And, and I think, and when you listen to the song, I think most of us listen to it and we think, Man, I wish, I wish somebody tell me, tell me I was beautiful. I wish somebody mm. would think that I'm wonderful. Um, and if I didn't know it, and if I didn't think so, I hope somebody would tell me. You know, somebody would. Um, I think it's Adam Smith says uh, the great economist says. You know, you know, human beings have a desire um, to feel lovely, right? That oh, yeah. worthy of love. Um, and so I think that's what I was interested in about that song is evidence of what resonates with about it resonates with people so much. Um, right. And I think, and I, I feel that, you know, I want to be appreciated. I want to feel, um, you know, beautiful, wonderful, worthy of love. And I think we all do. Um, and so that's kind of. Yeah, I, I think, oh, sorry, sorry. Go, no, ahead. go ahead. Well, I just was going to say, I think, maybe what I was getting tripped up on when I was thinking about that has been the opposite side of the coin, a coin because as fantastic as I may or may not be, probably not everyone thinks that I am lovely. And so I guess that that's, you know, while I, it would be very helpful for people to speak these words of wonderfulness and lovely into my life. And it would be wonderful if those things would help mold and shape my understanding of myself. But the, we definitely live in a culture where people are, are sharing things that are not lovely about people. And I, so I guess I'm just wondering, does, do we, are we allowing that to mold us and shape us then and, and form some of our identity? Like, is there going to, do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess. So part of me is things like in the church, at least in most churches that I've been around and here, you know, we talk a lot about that. We are fallen sinners. We're cracked vessels. We have, you know, prayer confession every Sunday confess our sin. We need God to save us. We need God's forgiveness, God's grace, all true. Okay. And so we emphasize, and it's, you know, 
the, those of us who are Calvinists, you know, the total depravity, right? That we're depraved. It's very hard for us to be good, all this. But I want to, before that's ever true, before we're ever broken, we are whole, that we are, we are wonderfully made. And I want to emphasize that, that um, before we ever get to that we're cracked, that we're broken, that we're sinners, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made at our root. Okay. And just because we've been disfigured and distorted doesn't take away the fact that we are good, that we're good, that God creates us good. Um, And so I really wanted to emphasize that yesterday and that, uh, you know, for wherever people, so I think it's probably a spectrum on, you know, some days maybe we do feel beautiful, some days we don't. Um, But at the root of things, God thinks we're beautiful. God thinks Mm -hmm. we're wonderful. God has created Mm -hmm. us wonderfully. And, and then whatever society says is going to, you know, that's going to impact us. But if we can return to our theological convictions about who God says we are, then that hopefully will, will shape kind of how we receive those messages from the culture, from our family, friends, enemies, all of this. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. Yeah. Because I guess I just was really, uh, like I said, really wrestling with that piece of when, when you were talking about learning who we are from others. Um, but I, I think you're right. If the, if the foundation is that if our foundation is on faith that God has determined that we are wonderful and, and we are been created beautifully, um, then, and what we hear from others, we're filtering through that, foundation all the time and through that filter um then it then it seems like it can be helpful what we learn from others I, I just think you know you don't have to be on Facebook or the next door app for very long to find out people are not afraid to tell you who they think you are in a way that's not so helpful but but that's good what you're saying this idea of filtering it constantly filtering it through this concept of the God who made you right and my encouragement but I and I kind of want to flip it around and say how can we be people that positively mm. impact people with our words by telling somebody you're wonderful, you're beautiful. Like, like our kids, like do, do, it was really cool at a, um, 11 o'clock. We did that baptism after, um, um, after the sermon. And I think, and one of the things we do in baptism is we say, you are wonderful. You are beautifully made. Um, whether it's a baby or it's an adult baptism, we, uh, Marilyn Robinson, in one of her books, I think it's Gilead, she has this great image. She says, when we baptize someone, we are, we are not conferring blessing on them. We're actually acknowledging the blessing that's there. Yeah, and good. It's that beautiful image. And I want, I want our church, I want our faith family, our community to be a people. When somebody walks in, they go, my goodness, I felt wonderful. I, I felt truly loved, you know, in a culture that, that I've never... I, you know, I'm, I, I'm never good looking. I'm never skinny enough. I'm never strong enough. I, I don't have the right colored eyes. My hair is the wrong color. I'm too tall. I'm too short. You know, it's never that, that we just say in an appropriate way, you are wonderful mm. at the root. Um, and mm-hmm. if we can be, I think, a positive impact, I think that's really uh, prophetic in our culture. Because I think, like you said, so much of the voices we hear, and usually the megaphones of our lives are not telling us that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you and I have talked before too about how the church almost by definition should be people that 
that don't um, that we feel broken other places but that here at the church like here is where we're hearing this message of you are you're beautiful you're wonderful or whatever and so um yeah so we've talked before about how important that is for people at the church that they they all feel that way yeah okay so now now i'm trying to just one of the questions i had yesterday and now i'm thinking maybe we've kind of walked through this but i guess i'm wondering what happens if we don't know ourselves like what what harm is there or just i don't know like for the people that don't spend time doing this work that we've talked about or the people that aren't hearing this message or the people that don't believe this message of being fearfully and wonderfully made like what what happens for those people that that don't know themselves like what's what are they going to be the dangers there what do you mean do you mean um for people well, I, who are not of faith i don't know i'm just wondering like you know as you're thinking you because you're talking about how important it is for people to get this message for us to believe this message for us to understand this and live this into our lives and so i guess i'm just wondering for for people who struggle with this what does that mean for them and and maybe it is those are the people that are outside the church maybe it's they have a harder time in community maybe um it's a harm for ourselves and it's going to prevent us from growing in faith i don't know right. i'm just they, i just feel like it's hard work this idea of knowing ourselves loving ourselves constantly being at work to get to know ourselves i just think it's hard work and so i guess i just want to know what happens if i don't do the work <laughs> or well, yeah, we have I mean, people that don't do it well i think it's a journey Okay, we talked about yeah. the spiritual journey. And and remember I said earlier about like what the Apostle Paul says, we're only seeing ourselves through a glass darkly or opaquely. Um, so you're never, until we reach um, consummation with God, right? That we are um, in heaven where God has um, made everything right. Um, that we're never, it's never a done process. So it's, so this kind of, um, self-knowledge and this self-work is kind of a constant thing that we have to do. And I think, I think therapy is important <laughs> for a lot of people. It has been for me. Um, I think having uh, deep friendships where people can tell the truth to one another. Um, so community groups, I think being a part of a church and a faith family is important. I think, um, re I mean, for me, I think reading is really important that I'm, the worrying about the world that it's i'm exposing myself to new things i think um you know I, I love it when like somebody who says you know you know who's maybe older let's say like in their 60s who said i want to learn to play the piano like open yourself i want to learn to paint i was reading you know like president george uh bush is is you know a, a painter now right he's given up <laughs> politics for painting and i i just love this image that you can you can try new things you you didn't like to cook you can like to cook later um mm -hmm. you can uh you didn't like jazz well you, you can start to like jazz like there's ways you can expand and continue to grow as a human being and i think some of us it, as we grow older we we forget that we can continue to grow and expand and try new things and i think that that's i find um people who do that and do that kind of work and growth are really inspiring to me. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's important to have those kinds of people around us. Well, and all of this too, as you're saying all this, it's very reminiscent of the story too, that you told 
right of the was a movie or whatever with the guy and but the, his last words in his journal were the happiness must be shared and so just hit as you were kind of talking about his own journey and walking that journey and kind of coming to an understanding of what it looked like and I mean I think that's what you're saying now too yeah which makes me I'm like nuts with this idea of journey because now this is coming up lots of times we had this with wisdom right and now we're having it with this and this idea of relationship with God because sometimes I'm not one for a journey. I'm much more like instant gratification. <laughs> we can just be there and get it done. But over and over, what scripture is pointing to is that it's the journey that that's what's so important, both in our our own spiritual growth and our community and our world, just that journey of really living out faith over and over and over again and, and growing as a community and mm-hmm. as a faithful person. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Was there anything that you were, wanted to say in the sermon yesterday and you didn't, you cut it out for whatever reason, time or whatever? Well, well, I had, a, a, actually I switched out at the last minute. Um, so I didn't even have slides for it. I switched in that Harry Styles, One Direction, uh, Stephen Colbert kind of set piece at the end. I was going to talk a little bit about um, in the book, A River Runs Through It, which is my favorite book and movie. Um. Norman McLean talks about, you know, the death of his brother. And, mm-hmm. and he says, um, he says, it's really hard to love people sometimes because you don't know them. And, or, and he says, it's really hard to know somebody, truly know them. And he talks about how did he really know his brother? Right? And, and then, he's, then he has this con- statement where he says, even if you don't know them, you can love them. There's this really beautiful mm-hmm. image that, um, and I'm going to bring it back. I think this fall we'll talk. I'll, I'll do. I, I mean, a river runs through. I could go for like hours about it. But um, it, it, this fall in our, our our sermon series this fall, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. So I just I, I table it. And we'll we'll wait wait for later. But I think oh Lindsay, I think the other thing I would say, and I don't know if you do this when you do premarital counseling with folks, but there's a famous theologian um, out of Duke Divinity School named Stanley Harawas. And he calls it Hauerwas's law. And he says, Hauerwas's law is you always marry the wrong person. <laughs> and, and, and I think it's, I think that's been helpful for me um, when I talk to young couples and I think marriages in general is that when you get married at the altar, you don't know who you're marrying. In fact, you barely know yourself. You don't know mm-hmm. who you're going to be in five years, 10 years, 20 years. Uh, 50 years. And so this is a journey you're going on together of mutual self-discovery of one another. And it's a great risk because you, there's, you don't know what's going to happen. And I think, but yet millions and millions of people do it all across the world every year. (laughs) And I I think that's really exciting that, that we, we are human beings are willing to put all our chips in and say, I'm willing to journey in discovering each other and myself in relationship. And I think when couples forget to start, ri- or they, they forget to take the risk or they stop risking, they think, oh, my partner, I don't, I don't need to continue to discover who they are, or I, I don't need to discover who I am. I think that's when a lot of relationships get stale. And that's a reason that um, they stop flourishing and stop uh, uh, growing intimate and, um, um, and enjoying each other. And so um, I, I think that's a practical way that um, for married folks that really can um, continue to yeah. grow. That's powerful. That's good. That's good. I like that. 
I'm going to, I'm going to let that be our, our final word. Cause that was, that was good, Jeff. There you go. Well, <laughs> once, good. once in a while we get lucky, Lindsay. <laughs> that was good. Okay. I shouldn't have given marriage so, uh, advice to anybody. Let's just say that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, we're all working on it. Um, okay. So we did Psalm 139 this week, which was so good. What are we doing next week? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, we're going to do Romans 8, 35 through 39. I've actually, I don't think I've ever preached on any, maybe from Romans. And I know this is one of your favorite passages. It's where, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about God's love and there's neither height nor depth nor, you know, time. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I think, yes. um, well, I want to talk about that reality because I think, well, I think, I think the sermon title is what's the one thing we all fear? And I think we fear that we're not loved. Mm. Um, and I think that that is at the root of a lot of humanity's problems is we doubt that we are loved. And um, mm. so I want to talk about that and how um, God's love pierces through that doubt and that fear and transforms us uh, by that radical love that we know in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Oh, I can't wait. That is if I had to pick a favorite scripture passage, it's going to be that one. I, I can't, there's never a time that I don't think that one's not appropriate. So I can't wait then to hear what you're saying. And, um, we'll, I guess we'll get to talk more about that next week. So thank you for your time today. Thanks, Lindsay. You have joined us today. We are grateful. It's good to be together and we'll do it again next week. All right. Take care. See you soon. Thanks. Bye.